Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. This is Craig Ruffalo, your interim host, and today is February 18th, 2022. And with me is our Vice President of Information Sales and the guru when it comes to edible fats and oils consulting, Uh Nicole Thomas. Happy Friday, Nicole. Happy Friday. Guru or scary person? (laughs) I think these days I have the reputation. She's going to tell it like it is. There you go. I want to hear it. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) you got to. Sometimes people have to hear the entire truth. They can't just hear what they want to hear. Because how do you plan if you don't get all of the facts? And you, my friend, give them all the facts. So I, I appreciate the fact that you will uh, provide people with the the real uh, deal. And so, you know, we were talking before the podcast that today I'm kind of a, an anxious dad because my son is taking his driver's test today. Oh, good luck, Jake. <laughs> good luck, Jake. I mean. Oh, woo. you're becoming a man. That's the first step. I know. Freedom. Freedom That's comes after that. that. Do you remember when uh, you got your license? I certainly remember when I, I got mine. Uh, the, the only thing I didn't want to do is get in an accident the first day I had my <laughs> license. <laughs> I was worried about two things. My, I, I remember my grandmother was the one who took me. Okay. Uh, and I used her car, which eventually became my car. So that worked out well. But the two things I, uh, that I was nervous about, parallel parking. Oh. Because, you know, you got to do that part. And I had been warned by numerous people who who got their license licenses before me to uh be sure to make a complete stop at every stop sign those two things were ringing in my head through the whole process but they gave me it i can't believe it (laughs) well they'd certainly uh did me a favor, I think, the day I did it, because they still required you to parallel park and do all these crazy things. And mm-hmm. I had this instructor that uh, did the test, and he made me park on the parallel parking side on the left-hand side of a one-way street. I mean, they really tried to tried to screw me up, but uh, I got lucky. Uh, I made it happen, and oh, I was a ner- I, It's one of those things I remember how nervous I was uh, the night when I did it. So anyway, good luck, Jake, out there. I'm sure you'll yes, do fine, buddy. You'll do fine. And speaking of good lucks, holy <laughs> smokes, what is going on with the edible fats and oils markets? My goodness, it's not just one, but it seems no. to be them all. The dominoes yeah. are falling, Nicole. What is going on? As I was telling somebody this morning, um, I've been more or less following oil market, edible oil markets for 18 years. Oh God, I'm getting old. No, don't, For don't do it. Years. Don't do it. I know, I know. <laughs> and I can't remember a time when there were this many edible oil markets that were problematic at one time. Like I, I've seen, you know, bullishness here or there, or maybe a little spillover here or there. But I mean, it's coming from from every direction. And the minute we feel like okay, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, we get hit with something. And it's been a, okay, we just need these things to go, to go well. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny you don't. bring that up. Now I've got this image in my head and you may have remembered the cartoon where there's a dam 
and a person is trying to keep the dam from blowing up and it's just a little spout and he puts his finger in the one little thing that the water's leaking and then it starts to leak in another and then all of a sudden he's got like his fingers and then his toes and then all of a sudden he puts his mouth over the the water and then all of a sudden it just blows up that's what i feel like the edible oils market's doing it's just like coming from everywhere and it definitely feels like that for a buyer unfortunately i know (laughs) right now that that's probably the mental picture a lot of them carry Um, oh god so it's really a few things there's there's the fundamental aspect and then there's these uh sort of extraneous factors that are all uh, playing into why we're we're here right now starting with soybean oil the the first piece of bad news over and 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 a lot of this dramatic change even though we've seen values appreciating since you know mid-december late or early to mid-december a lot of the you know uh strength we're experiencing now came in the last four weeks and that started with south america so we were at the beginning of the season expecting, you know, a record-setting crop out of Brazil, great crop out of Argentina, good good crop for Paraguay. And over the course of, of the production season, we have seen that drop, what, 24 to 26 million tons from those Oof. initial projections. Ridiculously um, low. And we were at the beginning of the season expecting a stocks building year. And now here we are, uh, USDA close to, you know, 92, 93 million tons on, on their most recent report. And the reality is that number's very likely lower in that, although there were some some sharp reductions made, right after that, CONAP came out with their Brazilian projection and they put uh, the crop at 125.5. So um, we've got the problem of the beans. And, and at least, you know, like markets do, it isn't necessarily that there's a, a fear that we will, you know, completely run out of beans globally or anything. It's that in a market that was already elevated and has already been screaming for the need for oil seeds in general, any negative news is going to be exacerbated. And that's that's what we're experiencing here, too. So you got the bean issue. Then you have, you know, because there's a bean issue. Concerns about Argent, uh, Argentina's ability to export, at least what they initially were expecting for uh, the soy products, including soy oil. And they've had ongoing issues with crush, margins being poor, issues getting the beans where they need to be, high price beans, et cetera, that have already been impactful and will likely now continue to be impactful in terms of their ability to export that oil. And at the same time, you've got poor crush margins in China and in India that is having a pressuring effect on their crush, which then means less oil production from them, which means greater need for imported oil in a market that's already tight. And you look at the USDA balance sheet for this year, that oil export number is pretty low, especially relative to last year and the year before. And the question becomes, not only could we see additional uh, export demand for this year, but could this also trickle into the 22-23 year if these bean stocks uh, get depleted toward or are, you know, much lower near the end of uh, their crop year, kind of going into harvest for them uh, or going into planting season for them when we're coming into harvest, might there be additional demand there as well? Then... To add to that, oh, God, stop. <laughs> it keeps going. <laughs> to add to that, 
recently we got news out of Indonesia, who is the, 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 the country that is the largest producer of palm oil, that they are going to restrict exports of palm oil by 20, 20%. So basically telling their exporters, hey, whatever you were planning on doing, we're going to need 20% of that in the domestic market and we're going to cap the price on it too as they you know go to to support their <laughs> domestic uh biofuel uh, industry so uh, you got okay. the potential of more import need from india more import need from china more import need globally just based off of what's happening with with uh, soy oil uh out of south america and production in general, that's still towards the lower end of the range. Now it's a little better. That's that if, if people are looking for, you know, what's the glimmer of <laughs> positive in this scenario? Yeah. <laughs> Please. For Palm, if you looked at the uh January production numbers out of Malaysia, although they were down from December, which is again um not necessarily abnormal from a seasonal standpoint, they were higher than January twenty twenty one. So I think if nothing else, it says, hey, we may be getting, uh, we may be through the worst of this, but we need to continue to see that trend. Meanwhile, though, we're still also going to continue to feel the impact of, of that Canadian, that poor Canadian crop of canola. China also being a big consumer of canola oil. <laughs> so needing, needing that oil to come from somewhere else. Uh, and so from a fundamental standpoint alone, you can make a, the easy justification for prices being higher. But then you add to the mix these extraneous factors, the ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine and how that creates uncertainty and volatility in, in commodity markets, period. And specifically to oils, concern about, okay, well, is this going to hinder sunflower oil exports out of out of Ukraine? Oh, God, I forgot about that out of Ukraine, right? Um, and, and prices for sunflower oil have been on the rise, too, because, I mean, at the end of the day, you're talking about, you know, typically people don't necessarily look at sunflower oil as a substitute, but, you know, generally speaking, you can you can make it work. And so you, you all your commoditized oils being tied together. So that that has an influence on on prices. And then you have strength in crude oil. Yeah. That it, as we're seeing the relationship between the movement of soybean oil and crude oil prices of late, not saying this is the case every single day of trading, but there's a growing correlation. It isn't quite as strong as it was a few years back. The last, if you go, you know, way back to 2000. 12 ish uh when we the last time we saw so soybean oil futures make a tear to the high side not quite as as strong as it was at that point but it has been strengthening so that support or anything driving the futures on the crude oil side of things also impactful and then trying to figure out you know how's the money going to move from a speculative standpoint when on one hand the prospect of higher interest rates you know would be supportive of the the dollar and and have a pressuring effect on u.s denominated commodities but there's also something to be said about the increase in those interest rates and that impact on on the cost of debt that make it might make uh some of these money managers kind of give a, a side eye to stocks. Yeah, I agree with and that. And look for somewhere else to park that money as a hedge. And as we, you know, we kind of weed through, you know, sort of survival of the fittest 
when it comes to stocks that have, you know, you talk to anybody would say have been incredibly overinflated for years um, <laughs> because of that cheap debt. So all of that coming together is how we continue to see this futures market for soybean oil and palm oil trend higher and higher. And I would not be surprised if by the time, you know, we peak, we're well mm-hmm. over 70 cents a pound on the futures, at least for the 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 nearby uh, contracts. Yeah, I would I would agree. I don't think you have any relief until you get through uh, the northern hemisphere's harvest. Yep. I, I think you've got all Q2 and all Q3 is highly volatile markets. And I think volatility is here to stay in general for commodities yep. for a while. And I'd so agree. for the, the people in the, the side of procurement on supply chain, I think they have to just buckle up. And unfortunately, it's ride this turbulence of volatility and buy it dips and, you know, supply security. That's your number one goal. So be be ready to lock in stuff when people are sitting there looking at some dips on a sell off, a liquidation of uh, speculative positions on longs or something. So. Nicole, do just you like think December. Wise? Yes, exactly. I was just going to say. So when December hits again, no, I'm just kidding. What? So we don't want to wait till December. But, you know, is there we have the 31 planning intentions report coming out. Mm-hmm. We all are kind of waiting on it, kind of like trading places when the crop report was read about frozen orange juice. Uh, I think we're all oh waiting God. on that. So, so. <laughs> exactly. So I hope that that that'll give us a little bit of a maybe a temporary break. What, how far forward do we want to have people thinking? And it doesn't mean they have to cover, but yeah. in your mind, do you think they should be thinking near term or do you think that this is something where we really need to cover beyond the near term type of? I think a good deal of the, of the user base is already covered through the first three okay. quarters of this year. Fortunately, All right. I think a lot of people good. stepped in and took some coverage with that dip in December because it, it was, inexplainable to be honest <laughs> like why are we going yeah. down then we really shouldn't be going down uh and i remember having calls with people asking well why are we dropping and my answer was i don't know just book some <laughs> so i think i think a good a good part of a good chunk of the market is covered if you are not q3 is going to be a little tough q2 you're nearing the corner uh, around uh, the corner when you need to you have to have it booked anyway um you can attempt to catch some technical corrections as long as you're willing to recognize that the trend is still higher and it doesn't it doesn't feel like we've found a ceiling yet. And that is also a reason uh, rationale for taking that coverage for Q2. Q3, I would probably be more inclined to uh, take that off the cover uh, take that off the table too, if you haven't done so already. And I say that because, yes, we're going to stay pretty volatile up to that prospective planning's report. But immediately following that tends to be that seasonally upward moving time frame for the market as well. And because we are tight multiple crops, <laughs> multiple products right now, that that second quarter of this year is probably going to be a pretty tumultuous one as well. And even then really kind of comes down to, you know, what's happening with the weather too. And I, I didn't want to throw that part in here, but <laughs> I will say 
some forecasters, and one of which I, uh, one of whom I trust very, very much, feels you know that it's there's a good chance we're going to stay dry through the spring and maybe even into the summer. So with that kind of going on, you know, I would say again, I think a lot of the South American scenario, as long as it doesn't get worse yet, is priced in. But the next kind of round of pricing post the acreage report will be that typical weather market. So in that sense, I don't think you want to be trying to get covered in, you know, April, May, June. Um, and, and for Q4, I'd probably still hold out. I will say some folks are, right. are covered there as well. Okay. Definitely. Or have some percentage of coverage there. Um, but uh, depending on when you have to lock that in, if you've got until late August, September, and this market behaves anything like it did last year, and I'll say thus far, it has been behaving very similar to last year, we should get some pressure by then that will provide better values than, than what you're looking at today. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up right there because that's an awesome, awesome as I said, guru early on in the podcast, <laughs> uh, understanding Danger of what's mouth. going on. I know, right? And we're going <laughs> to remind everyone, don't forget that on February 23rd, we're going to have our webinar of key ingredients. And I think everybody needs to sign up because we're going to talk about a lot of this in a little more detail as far as origins uh, on weather and, and on the things that are going to impact the balance sheets. And then not even that's going to be the best. We're going to have our spring seminar in yeah. Oak Brook, Illinois on the 27th of April. And it's not going to just be fundamentals. We're going to be talking structurally how industries are changing uh, and how that's impacting the supply chain and availability product under this current circumstance and what we forecast. You have to get there in a very clever way. Too. I know. I think I think people are going to be adequately entertained. Oh yeah. By the way, we cover that too. I so. agree. So get on that. Register on our website, and we look forward to seeing everybody. Now, I'll leave everybody with this because Mike loves to say it: "Live your life with an attitude of gratitude. Be friendly. Go out. Say hello to somebody. Enjoy your time with family and friends. Yes. And Nicole, have a wonderful weekend. You as well, Craig. We're gonna go and we're gonna be done with football for this year, and we're gonna go on to the new new seasons. I don't know what your favorite is: NBA, NHL. Uh, watch out! Probably not Sleep. gonna have a baseball season, and then you're gonna have some rest. All right, binge, well, very binge good. watching television shows. That's what season <laughs> we're go. in. There you go. I like it. Well, everybody have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. Take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit McKinney-Favell.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.